There's something commonly true about horseshoes and hand grenades. You, uh, you get close, you score. You don't score as much for close as you do for a ringer or for a leaner in horseshoes. But if you, if you get within the width of the horseshoe, you score. Uh, you score with cornhole. You get close. If you don't get it in the hole, so you get, still get some points if it's on the board. I've never thrown a hand grenade, but I've read a lot about it, and I've seen it, and I've heard it. And close counts in hand grenades. You don't have to be. You don't have to hit, hit the person in the head with the hand grenade. You just get it close to them within a few feet. Sometimes within a few dozen feet, it does its job. However, nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Many people, and perhaps you, perhaps some friends you have, have been right up next to it, right up next to a relationship with Jesus, right up next to intimacy, right up next to fellowship, right up next to the longing that we've had in our hearts to know him more year after year, decade after decade, and we get close, and we step close, and then we step back, and we get even closer, and then we step back. Or you, you may have friends or family members that, are, that have been this close to trusting Christ as their Savior. Perhaps in a moment of crisis or during some pain or some hurt or some uncertainty, and they're trying to figure out, is God real? If he is, should I, should I know him? Should I trust him? Should I put my faith in him? This story today from Matthew chapter 19 helps us answer some of those almost questions. Um, there is, I don't know if any of you have ever bought a lottery ticket or not. Uh, I was talking to a guy not long ago that did and said, Man, I, was, I was one number off from 26 million. One number away from 26 million. I said, you just give it to Jesus. He, he, he would give you all the numbers that you needed. Well, you think so? I don't know. I never, never purchased a lottery ticket. Uh, but if you have and you've been one number off, then you know exactly what that feels like to be almost there. And I can taste it. I can smell it. I can see it. It's almost within my grasp, but yet it's gone. Here's, that's kind of the situation where this young man finds himself in his public encounter with Jesus here in Matthew 19. Let's pick up in verses, uh, verse 16 down through verse 30. Together, join along with me. Just then a man came up to, to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, <clears throat> if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I tell you, it is much easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We left everything to follow you. What, there, what will be there for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you that at the renewal of, all, renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, 
and many many who are last will be first. Four things I want us to see of this young man's encounter with Jesus. He's almost there, and he knows it, and he has it within his grasp. First of all, almost asks the wrong questions. It asks the wrong questions. Look back at verse 16 with me as he asks him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do? Now, there are two there are two premises wrapped up in this question that are both presumptuous on this part. One is this. Is the real question is, how little can I get by with? How little can I do and still make it? What are the, what are the, what are the, the root essential guidelines? It's kind of like a high school asking, ask, high schooler asking his teacher, what do I do, what, or a college student, what do I need to do to pass this class? I'm not interested in an A, not interested in a B plus, not interested in even in a C plus. What do I have to do to pass? I want to do just enough to get by to pass this class so I can move on to the next, the next course, the next thing, the next, the next class. And he's really asking here, how little can I get by with and still be okay? That's the wrong question for almost to ask. Almost always ask those questions to say, I've seen it, I've smelled it, I've, I've gotten right up next to it, and I'm, I've almost been there. And if I can just do that one thing to get me over the edge where I, I can experience God's blessing, God's glory in my life, Boy, I'd love to get there. And we step to it almost all the time and yet pull back to say, well, if that's required, I thought it was just this and this. I thought it was just, you know, a couple of times a month at church, knowing a half dozen songs pretty well. I thought it was just these two or three things. If it's, if it's deeper commitment, if it's laying down my life, if it's changing the things I want, if it's perhaps letting some relationships go that have been pulling me down, if it's maybe even changing vocations to bring more glory to him, if it's those, if it's those kind of things, that's pretty radical. I don't know that I want to get there. And he's asking, what, how little can I get by with and still be okay? The second, the second premise that's false there is, is, is that he's really asking, am I good enough? Am I good enough? And Jesus' answer to him says, says a great deal. He says, um, says here in verse 17, why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. You want to enter eternal life, keep his commandments. He's saying, what do I, am I good enough? Am, am I? And as we saw in reading this, there, he, he comes away kind of, at the end of the story, he comes away kind of despondent. I thought I was good enough. I thought I had enough going on. I thought there was enough good in my life to make all this work. And this guy wasn't a rule breaker. He was a rule keeper. He kept the law. In fact, Jesus spells out to him several commandments there. He says, oh, I kept all of those. What, what else? And, of course, you know the story, sell all your possessions, give to the poor. And he, and he leaves very sad. And he, but this guy was a rule breaker or, or, or a rule keeper, wasn't it? Kept the law, kept it back to the letter of the law. Nonetheless, Jesus' answer here to eternal life is not about goodness. It's not about how good we are. It's about readiness, and readiness has to do with relationship. And he, I think he wants this young man to see that, to say, listen, leave goodness at the door. It's never been about goodness. And understand here that Jesus has not died yet. So he's not paid the sacrificial atonement for that man's sins and your sins and my sins. So there can't be relationship with Jesus at this point, but he's trying to paint the picture. He's trying to say the law was never designed for there to be a goodness scale. It was designed to push man to God, for a man to see his inadequacy in keeping the law to say, I need help. I need God. That's what the law was designed for. It wasn't a bunch of rules to say, all right, there's a point of arrival now. I've kept the law. It was never intended for that, never been about goodness. And it amazes me in our day and time, sitting here in 2017, in church, in evangelical church, after evangelical church, how many people still think it's, really, it's about goodness. 
about how good I am. If I'm good enough, if I do enough good, if the good outweighs the bad, if the scale that's in my mind is such that God's, God sees more good in me than more bad in me, then I'm okay. He'll like me better. He'll bless me more. And he's saying to this young guy, listen, it's never been about rules. It's never been about the law. And the law was never about goodness. It was to push you to God in the first place. And you couldn't see that. It's not about goodness. That's the wrong question to ask. Secondly, not only does, wrong, does almost ask wrong questions, almost gives the wrong answers. Look at verses 19 and 20 with me. He says, um, which ones, he inquired, verse 18. Jesus spells them out there in verse, the latter part of verse 13, 18. But he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? All these I've kept, what do I still lack? Jesus replied in, in verse 19, starts with public sins. And then starts to go, you'll see how, how, how those unfold with, with what Jesus tells him he needs to do. Starts with public sins and then starts to move private. The, the public things, he says, <coughs> are things that are easy for other folks to see. If you walk publicly according to the law, according to the rules, people are going to see, well, this guy's pretty good. Or, no, 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 they're pretty bad. But what about the private things? What about the, the laws that nobody sees? He says here that to honor your father and mother, nobody sees that. I do, and you do, and they do, but nobody else sees that. And love your neighbor as yourself. Nobody else sees that. I do, and they do, but nobody else but us sees those things. So as he starts public and moves private, he's, 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 starting, he's starting to do surgery with a finer and finer blade and finer and finer blade to cut away at this guy's layers to say, listen, when it boils down to really who you are, you're not as good as you think you are. Because here's the reality of this, of, of, of verse, his response here in verse 19 and 20. And he's, he's saying here, and he's, he's quoting Leviticus here, 19, is to say, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Literally what Leviticus 19 says. He says, in doing that, you had great wealth. And if everybody around you had great wealth, there's, it's, it's easy, not, easy not to love your neighbor. But if you've got a neighbor in need and you're standing here in great wealth and you don't meet that need, you don't love your neighbor yourself. So are all your neighbors wealthy? If all your neighbors are wealthy, you don't see need. If you have some neighbors that are not as wealthy as you, then there has, there's need there. And as, as we have seen it here in Scripture in Leviticus, your, your, your responsibility is to meet the need of your neighbor, to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. For there to be this idea of, of, of our having a giving spirit and seeing somebody else around us in need. So he says, all these I've kept. And Jesus knew this was a lie. He just pointed it out to him to, to, to get his attention. He knew all these I've kept was a lie. But he goes on and says, which ones, in verse 18? Which ones? Literally, I've kept those and those and those. Are there more that I don't know about? Enlighten me. Which, which laws, which, which rules are the, that I've not kept? In essence, he's saying in verse 20, what else? What else do I have to do? I've done this and this and this and all these things you point out, done that and that. I'm a pretty good guy. What else? And Jesus gives him the what else. Sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and come and follow me. And I can just see this guy's head, can't you? Just... And he walks away, saddened. Why? Because the scripture said he not only has great wealth, but he has zero compassion. And he realizes it for the first, maybe for the first time. I think, I think in his heart he felt like and longed for goodness and felt like he was a good person, a good man, and wanted to know God, wanted to know God personally. But perhaps for the first time saw himself and saw his own sin and saw his own inadequacy and saw my riches don't get me there. My wealth doesn't get me there. It's compassion that gets me there. And I don't, have, I don't live there. I don't experience that. I don't know that so because I do have neighbors that are in need. And so he, he goes on to point out here to this guy with, with, with these specific commandments to say, 
And, and, and he's, not in, he's not impressed with our goodness. He's not impressed with our law keeping. He's not impressed with our rule list. He's not impressed with the things that you check off in your life and say, oh, got that, accomplished that. Prayer life's good. Spend a little time in the Word, trying to be kind to people, trying to be a giver. He's not impressed with our list of do's and don'ts. He gets to the heart of this young man to say, listen, it's about how you're wired. It's not about the things you do. It's not about the laws you keep. It's about how you're wired. 1 Samuel 15 speaks to this very clearly. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Does the Lord, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. So he's pointing out to this guy to say, listen, it's not about your rule keeping. It's about your heart. It's not about the sacrifices you made to become this. It's about you're walking with me because you want to and being willing. And that want to being enough to where you're willing to walk away from anything and everything and everybody else to do it. Are you there? He says, no, I'm not there. He drops his head and walks away. And this idea of our, of our goodness and our, our, our legalism, our sacrifice being worth anything to him uh, is the wrong, the wrong way to look at this. He's, he's, he's getting to motive. He's getting to the heart of things here. Thirdly, almost not only asks the wrong questions and gives the wrong answers, almost is publicly impressive sometimes. Look at verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? In essence, if not this guy, then who? Because he's got it going on. I mean, he's got He's kept the rules. I've seen his life. He's, he, he's, 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 he's a good guy. He's a good man. And I've, many of you probably have seen the Manning story on, on SEC Network. And uh, if you haven't, it's a story about Archie Manning and his two sons, Peyton Manning or, and Cooper as well, the three Manning boys, and how their, their upbringing and their background kind of shaped and molded who they are. And one line in that, in that, uh, that video struck me as I heard it for the first time, and I've seen it two or three times since, and it strikes me every time. As I hear Archie, <clears throat> I hear Archie talking about the relationship with his dad. And his dad was driving him to college, driving him to Ole Miss for the first time, and they were talking about this, this huge life change for him, and the situation was changing for him to go play SEC football. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, son, I just want you to be a good guy. I just want you to be a good guy. You know, and that's probably a noble thing. It's probably exactly how this guy felt walking up to Jesus. I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. I know a lot of good guys, don't you? But goodness, Jesus said here, doesn't get you into heaven. In fact, Jesus says, listen, goodness is not even on the scale because there's only one who's good. We think there are good guys in the world, but in the heart of every good guy is a motive that's usually for most of us that's about self and about what I want, what I need, scratch my itch, meet my need. And at the heart of most of our motives are me. And he's saying here, at the heart of your motive has to be away from you and onto others. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor. If life's not about you. And he walks away realizing life is about me. It's not about others. It's not about what, I, what I've been called to do. It's about what's, what best meets my needs and helps me feel better about myself. Who then can be saved? It's not, not this guy, Peter, the disciple asked. What Jesus saw here, though, was, was the inside of this guy. He got to the heart, got to the motives, got to the mission of who this guy was and what it was about. And what was revealed was that those things really matter and affect everything else we do. Now, get this. <clears throat> this man checked all the right what boxes, all the right what boxes. What, what, what do I need to do? What are the, what are the rules? 
But the why box says he missed everyone. And Jesus says, listen, it's about your heart. It's about your motives. It's not about the things you've done, not about the rules you've kept. It's not about the what. It's about the why. You do what you do because the why is what matters to me. It's your motive. It's your heart. It's, your, it's, it's the things that you see, the things that move you, the things that stir you, the things that stir you to obedience that, that, I'm not, that I notice more than what everybody else sees. It's why we do what we do. So if you're sitting here today and, and most of your decisions and most of the things that you, your decisions and pathways you go in life are about how you feel, are about how you, how you feel about yourself. It's, if, it, if it's so that you'll feel better about yourself, it's time for us to start looking at these same questions to say, what are my motives? What, 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 really, what really drives this decision? What pushes me to be this way, think this way, act this way? Is it about me? Is it about how I feel about myself? Or are those decisions in my life made for the glory of God? Are they about me or are they about him? can't be both. It's publicly impressive. Privately, though, it falls apart. And Jesus knew that, pointed that out to him, not in a cruel way, but just to say, sell all your possessions. And then here the disciples said, listen, this guy's got it going on. And he doesn't get in. He's not authorized. He's not. Who then can be saved? If not him, then who? And Jesus is pointing out, again, I'll remind you that Jesus hadn't died yet, so it's still about the law. It's still about your relationship to God by way of the law. And they see that from the outside in saying, man, this guy's checked all the boxes. All the what boxes have been checked. And Jesus says, Jesus says to, to him and them, it's not about the what boxes. It's about the why behind the what. Always with him about the why behind the what. Fourthly, <clears throat> almost asks the wrong questions, gives the wrong answers. It's publicly impressive. But fourthly, always or almost will always contrast with all in. Almost will always contrast with all in. Look at verse 27. He says here, Peter answered him, we've left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? What about us? We've walked away from it all. We've left everything to follow you. We've sold out. We're all in. Is it going to matter? Does that selling out, does that, does that losing ourselves and our, our, our livelihood and our families some of the relationships and some of the ridicule that we face publicly for, for walking with you, we've walked away from everything to follow you. Does it matter? Will it matter? Is there any difference to be made there? And the contrast between public goodness and private, private obedience is selflessness. And it's, it's a stark contrast. Jesus responds in verse 29 by saying, he says here, listen, everyone who's left houses or, or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. In essence, he says, being all in matters. Being almost doesn't. Selling yourself out to say, listen, I'm willing to walk away from anything and everything I know and own and have experienced to know you. Anything short of that, he says, is almost. And almost doesn't cut it. It gets us close, but almost doesn't cut it here. Because this illustration with this young man points to the disciples, and it was a great teachable moment to them to say, listen, yeah, it's worth it. Now, you may not see it here every day, but it's worth it. It'll be worth it eternally. Now, and what they were about to see after, they didn't know the end of the story. After Jesus leaves, God starts to explode their influence, and they start to see it here. But the fact that selling out the end matters here, not just there. Because as he starts to, to bless their efforts and the churches start to grow and be built and the gospel spreads all across the region, they start to see God empowering them by way of the Holy Spirit. And person after person and city after city and church after church start to, starts to expand and explode and people and the kingdom explodes and they start to figure out, he was talking about here too. Yes, it's going to be better for us there, but selling out to him has made all the difference in our life because it's made a difference in our world. 
It's made a difference in our influence. It's made a difference in who we are and the people our lives touch. He's saying here, following me is worth the cost. Always worth the cost. Following me is worth the cost. There's a stark contrast here between private obedience and public goodness. You can't always bank on what you see, he's saying here. Why is that true? Because you can't see motive, and motive matters to him. You can't crawl inside, inside someone's heart. You can see their, their works and their efforts, and you can hope their motive is pure. But you just can't crawl inside their heart and know that to be true. But he can, and he does. And he, and he moves on us and, 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 and in us and around us in ways that says, listen, I see all the things nobody sees. I see what drives you. I see what moves you. I see what, what you lay up in bed at night thinking about. I see the things that, that, start, that strike you. I see the things that are important to you that nobody else sees. And those things matter to me. Those things are of, are of great importance. This young man's eternity depended on those kinds of things. And he was, he was almost there. Well, from the outside in, looked like he was ready. And in fact, in better shape, had more credentials than, than the 12 that, were, that had left everything to follow Jesus. And they knew it. Not this guy, then who? Because he's in better shape than we are, as far as the law is concerned. He knows more than we know, has experienced more than we've experienced. And it's obvious the hand of God has blessed him. Look at his great wealth. If not him, then who? He said, listen, it's not about, it's not about those things. It's not about the who. It's about the why. It's about the things that are in your heart. He's almost there. Well, <clears throat> here's a probing question as we close. And this is a question you must answer for yourself. Are you an all-moster or an all-inner? Almost there or all-in? Close, been there a few times, stepped up to the edge a few times, looked over the precipice several times, never taken the leap. Backed off, felt the urging of God's spirit, perhaps in church, perhaps at the end of a song, the end of a book, the end of an encounter with him, the end of a retreat, the end of a conference, stepped up close to the precipice again but never took the leap. Are you an almoster or an all-inner? Some, some, some of you may be sitting here today and saying, I've never really thought about that. Nobody's ever asked me that question. <laughs> Nobody's ever, ever probed my spirit to say, it really is about why I do the things I do. Not about the things I do, but about why I do them, what motivates me to do them. And those are, those are quantitative or qualitative questions to ask. And so if you're, answer, if you're trying to answer that question, am I an almoster or an all-inner? If you're, if, you're, if you're seeking to answer that quantitatively, in other words, if you're thinking of a list, here are the things I've done, here are the, things, here are the places I've been, here's the influence I've had, here's what God's done. Here's, if you're thinking about that quantitatively, you're thinking in the wrong terms. He says here, I care about the quality of your heart, not the quantity of your goodness. I care about what motivates you, what drives you, what pushes you, not the results of all those things that everybody else sees. I care about what drives those things behind you. Because here's the real truth. Your motives are going to answer that question for you. Well, your motives are will answer whether you're an all-inner or whether you're an all-moster. And this story, and ours similarly sometimes, this encounter was about works. It was about deeds. It was about a list. It was about the law. It was about goodness in the goodness scale, whether the good outweighs the bad. And ours is about relationship. Why? Because Christ has come, and we can know him personally. It's not about keeping the law and wondering, am I, am I going to be okay at the end of it all? He said, listen, you're going to be okay at the end of it all if you know me and if you're sold out to me. And if you do what I told these 12 to do, leave that. Leave that behind. Come. Come follow me. Leave your nets. Leave your families. Leave your kids. Leave your father. Leave your mother. Leave your business. And come and follow me and see if following me is not worth it. 
He tells them in this story, it's going to be worth it in the hereafter. What they found out later is it's worth it here. It's worth it now. My influence has grown. God's taken a fisherman, a ruddy, rusty, crusty, hard fisherman, and built the entire church on him. He says, Peter, I'm going to build the New Testament church on the root system of you. Can you imagine Peter's? And looking at Peter's life, I would have said the same thing on me. Listen, why not this this guy? He's got it going on. He's kept the law. He's got great wealth. He's got the resources to and the relationships to pull all this off. I don't know anybody or anything. No, I want to use you. I want to use you. And over and over and over again, God gets away from the what and gets to us with the why. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I see life through the lens that I see it through? Why am I walking in a, in a way that, that it's, it's just all I've ever known? It's the way my parents walk. It's the way my friends walk. You mean there's more? Yeah, there is. There's more than just goodness. There's more than just a, a scale in, my, in, in our mind and in our heart. And God knows that and pushes this, pushes this, this uh, young, young law, law keeper, rule keeper, pushes him to the limit to say there's more than what you've experienced. Now, you want to experience that? Okay. Change your heart. Give all your possessions away. Sell it all and give it to the poor. That's the line I'm going to on the cross. There's a line for you and I. And we can, we can, we can get close to it, but he wants us to step over and say, listen, even that. I'm willing to lay at your feet. Even them, even this, I'm willing to lay at your feet to become an all-in. Not almost. I'm tired of living almost. Most of my life's been here, and I want to get over the edge and experience the intimacy that he describes here with these 12. Are you an all-moster or an all-inner? Your motives are going to answer that question for you.